Hi, and welcome back to Sepha Stories. All right, so in our previous um, episode, we read a story called Names by Map, which monsters are perceptions, and it was the origin story of Fenrir Greyback. So in this episode, I thought we would continue our werewolf theme because I thought the two pieces, uh, or this piece I'm about to read, flows nicely with the first, so, or with the prior episode. So with that, I am looking at a story that is titled Young Wolf, and this story was published on Archive of Our Own. Ironically, this is <laughs> another writer from that same fan uh, fiction I guess support group that that I'm a part of on Facebook and two separate writers not, never had met before and uh, they've never met before and it was just really weird and, and kind of ironic and uh, I guess fate maybe it's magic the way that both had stories that were werewolf based and kind of go hand in hand so I thought these were just kind of awesome both writers from the same group both writers um, writing werewolf based stories and they flow well together so with that let me give you some story details about this selection that we're about to enjoy in this episode young wolf is written by an author that is using the pen name Thea Oliver, and that's T-H-E-A, then O-L-I-V-E-R. The T and the O are capitalized. It's all one word, no spaces. The story, Young Wolf, is the title, found and posted on Archive of Our Own, but this is a writer that is also part of the Harry Potter um, fan fiction group that I'm a part of on Facebook. So, um check this writer out. So I'm not certain if this is a piece that will continue on. The way that it is written at this point could be a completed one-shot. The story may be fleshed out to include further chapters, but I think at this point this is a really well-written story already. So with that, let's give you some of these story details. Okay, so we do have a general rating audience, or, or general audience rating. Um, there are really no archive warnings. This will detail the characters of Remus Lupin, Lyle Lupin, and James Potter. And it looks like this was published, this is an older piece of writing published on January the 31st, 2019. And at that time, it looks like the um, writer was debating writing additional chapters, but right now we have this working one-shot at this point. With that, let's look at, um, do we have a summary? We do. It says a summary. Um, a young boy gets the news that he will be able to attend Hogwarts, something he never believed he would be able to do before. The author does detail that Rowling owns all the rights to the characters and all aspects of the story. She does not. It's a work of fan fiction intended for entertainment use only. I have to say that as well. And with that, let's dive into this wonderful story titled Young Wolf by Thea Oliver, and we will begin this read now. It was a dreary night. Rain was spattering the windows, and the wind howled like an animal in pain. The fire was popping behind the grate, and there were hushed whispers coming from the kitchen, but none of this seemed to bother Remus Lupin. He was laying across the hearth rug on his belly, reading Hogwarts a history. 
He was determined to know as much about the school as possible, even though he knew he would never be able to attend. That was a fact that he'd become accustomed to as of late, but nevertheless he had become immersed in the book the moment his mother gave it to him a few weeks before. Remus was very disappointed that he wouldn't be attending Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, but he understood why he couldn't. He was indeed a wizard, and he was very proud to be, but he was also a werewolf, a fact that he felt great shame over, even though there was nothing he could have done. He'd been bitten as a small child, and no matter how many healers his parents took him to, there was nothing to be done. Every full moon, he would transform into a volatile creature with no self-control. A monster, he called himself. Over the years, he had gotten used to the pain that ravaged his body as he changed into the shaggy beast, but the pain hadn't gotten used to, that he hadn't gotten used to, was that of isolation. After news of his attack had spread, he was shunned by everyone in their village other than his parents. Lyle and Hope tried everything they could to convince the other parents that he was a good boy, that, there, that he wasn't a danger to anyone when he was in human form, but it did no good. The rumors and whispers had gotten so bad that his parents decided that they should move. They left the village of Great Halling and moved into a cottage on the outskirts of Winborn, well away from anyone else. During the days between his transformation, Remus explored the woods around their cottage, looking for the places to hide himself during the full moon. He was determined never to hurt anyone or anything. As he'd gotten older in the coming years, he often asked his mother about school. Her response was always, I think it would be best if we taught you at home. But he knew he wouldn't be allowed to go because he was a monster. No one would want their children to go to school with something like him. He rolled onto his back and held his book above him, marveling over the image on the pages. The ceiling of the great hall was bewitched to look like the sky above the castle, and great clouds could be seen gracefully drifting in the moonlight. Remus? He turned his head and saw his mother and father standing in the doorway. Behind them stood a very tall wizard with a very long beard and a warm, kind smile. Remus, there's someone here to see you, his father said, stepping into the room and allowing the tall wizard to enter. Remus sat up quickly, closing the book. He watched the approaching wizard closely and scooted backwards to put more distance between them. Hello, young man. I am not here to cause you alarm. I wanted to talk to you. Remus quickly looked at his parents, who only nodded at him, looking back to the stranger. Talk about what? Well, first, let me introduce myself. I am Professor Dumbledore. I am headmaster at Hogwarts. I am here this evening to invite you to attend my school. What are you playing at, Mr. Remus said dryly? I can't go to your school. I'm a monster. He heard his mother begin to cry, as she always did when he uttered these words, like it was the first time she realized her child wasn't like everyone else. A monster, you are not. You're a smart young man who deserves the same rights and education as anyone else, which is why I want you to attend Hogwarts. No, 
I can't go. He stood looking down at his lap, seeing the scars on his arms, the scars he'd put there himself. I, I don't want to hurt anyone. Well, Remus, I had a feeling you would feel that way. Remus looked at the older man with surprise. You, you're dead? Oh, yes, I've spoken with your father before, and he told me how careful you are when the moon is full. So I've thought of a way for you to attend school and still be careful during the full moon. Remus surveyed the headmaster very carefully. I'm listening. Professor Dumbledore chuckled. Well, we have an excellent healer. Her name is Madame Pomfrey, and she will be around before and after your transformations to help in whatever way she can. And we have a place where you can go and be alone. It will be guarded from the other students. And you're sure it'll be okay? My dear boy, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't sure, Dumbledore said with a smile. I don't want to tell anyone. It has to be a secret. As you wish, replied Dumbledore, handing him a thick envelope made of parchment. Remus reluctantly took and accepted the envelope and read the front. Remus J. Lupin, one stone's throw away when born England. He turned the envelope over and saw that it was sealed with a drop of purple wax pressed firm with a coat of arms bearing a mighty H in the center. He tore it open and pulled out a letter on the same thick, heavy parchment as the envelope. He noticed that his hands were trembling. Dear Mr. Lupin, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted into Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Please find enclosed a list of all necessary books and equipment. Term begins on September 1st. We await your owl no later than July 31st. Yours sincerely, Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. The next sheet of parchment did indeed give a list of items he would need. Robes, dragon hide gloves, spill books, and even a wand of his very own. Remus looked at Dumbledore, who still was smiling, and jumped up to hug him. Oh, Dumbledore laughed, so does that mean you'll come to Hogwarts? Absolutely, Remus exclaimed. Hope took Remus to London the day after his visit with Dumbledore to get his school books. Remus stared into the windows of the shops along the cobbled streets. He went into Madame Malkin's robe shop and was fitted for his uniform, then to Flourish and Blotz for his spell books, where he admired a handsome leather briefcase, until his mother drug him from the store and off to the apothecary for his potion supplies. Finally, after a very long day of going from store to store, his mother took him into a very dark shop. The sign above the door read Ollivanders. The shop owner was a peculiar older man with an airy voice much like a whisper. He spent the better part of an hour trying different wands the man handed him. He tried wand after wand and started to worry if he would find one at all. He wondered if his lycanthropy would mute his powers and keep him from being able to perform magic at all. Then the old man handed him a handsome blue box. The box was warm in his hands, as were all the others, where all the others had been cold. 
He pulled the lid off and picked up the wand. It seemed to vibrate between his fingers, and before he could give it a full wave, it lit off a shower of bright yellow and orange sparks. His mother clapped and cheered, and the old man smiled as he became the proud owner of a ten and one-fourth inch wand made of cypress and unicorn hair. When he arrived home, he took his new possession straight to his room and unwrapped the packages. He spent hours poring over his books, trying to learn as much as he could before school started. When his father went to his room to tuck him in, he found Remus laying on the floor, wearing his robes and his wand on the floor beside him. He had fallen asleep reading his book lay across his chest. Lyle sat on the floor beside his son and watched as he slept. He noticed how peaceful he looked his brown mousy hair falling across his forehead, a faint scar peeking out from under it. Lyle reached up and brushed the hair away and traced the scar from his hairline to its end just below Remus's temple. He closed his eyes and thought of the day that Remus was injured. He'd come home after one of his transformations, clothes torn and ragged. He was limping and his head was bleeding, as was his arm. He'd been nine years old. He'd walked back across the garden and had been barely made it through the door before collapsing. Hope was in the kitchen and did her best to catch him. Lyle found them moments later when he heard her calling for help. They mended his ankle, cleaned the wound, and cut on his head. When they moved to mend his arm, they realized his wound was a bite mark. That was the day they learned Remus was hurting himself rather than hurting others during the full moon. He'd opened his eyes, and a tear rolled down his cheek, disappearing into his beard. He scooped his son up and gently laid him on the bed, pulling a quilt up around his shoulders. As he bent to kiss his forehead, he whispered, I am so sorry, my sweet boy. The morning of September 1st, Remus woke very early. The sun was barely peeking over the horizon, and the few chickens his mother kept hadn't even begun to move around. He made his way out to the garden and climbed the favorite tree all the way to the top and waited for the world to wake. Slowly the sun began to rise, changing the sky's colors as it did. He was lost in the moment until the rooster crowed directly beneath under the tree he was perched in, causing him to jump. He lost his balance and for a moment found himself dangling from a tree limb. Remus Chun Lupin, he heard his mother cry. You get out of that tree right now, young man. Yes, mum, he called in reply. He regained his positioning and made his way down the tree. He was almost to the bottom when the rooster crowed again. He slipped and lost his footing, scraping his arm against the tree trunk as he attempted to regain his hold. Stupid rooster, he muttered, hopping to the ground. He ran at the rooster, scaring him before going inside, just for good measure. How long have you been up there? I don't know, Mom. A little while. Do you think there will be many trees to climb at Hogwarts? Trees to climb, his father asked, walking into the kitchen. You'll be too way too busy with studying and making friends to have time to climb trees. Studying I can do, but I don't think I can make any friends. He saw his mother's face fall in disappointment. He added, quickly added, I really want to do well in school and prove them I should be there. I don't think I'll have time to make friends. Well, Lyle replied, I bet you make friends before you go to bed tonight. They were standing in front of a brick wall between two train platforms, and Remus had never doubted his parents as much as he did in that moment. Wait a second, he stuttered. You're telling me to walk into that wall? Yes, my love, that's how you board the train, Hope laughed. You're parking mad. 
She is not, his father responded in a sharp tone. And don't talk to your mother that way. But Dad, she just said to walk into a wall. Who on their right mind walks into a wall on purpose? But no sooner had the words left his mouth than there was a boy with jet-black hair who walked past him quickly pushing a trolley and an owl. He didn't seem to be slowing down as he approached the wall. In fact, he was speeding up. Oh, no. Oh, no, that boy's going to smash into the wall. No, he isn't, his mother chided. Just watch him. Remus did as he was told and didn't take his eyes off the boy with the raven hair. He got closer and closer to the wall until suddenly he just vanished. What in the name of Merlin just happened? Remus exclaimed as he watched an older couple follow him through the wall. Both of his parents were laughing. I told you, love. That's how you get to the platform for school. Trust me. She took him by the hand, and his father took hold of his luggage trolley. She tugged lightly and tugged him forward and smiled at him. Just don't be afraid. Close your eyes if you have to. He didn't close his eyes, but he couldn't shake the feeling that he would smack into the wall as soon as they approached it. The closer and closer to the wall, he got closer and closer to the wall, and then they were right at it. He squeezed his eyes shut. His mom stepped forward, pulling him with her, but instead of making contact with the wall as he suspected, they just kept walking. He slowly cracked one eye and couldn't believe what he saw. He was standing on a wide platform full of people. Witches and wizards were pushing trolleys weighted down with trunks. Owls of every color were peering around in their copper cages. A bright red steam engine was sitting on the tracks, rumbling, puffing smoke. Whoa! His parents smiled to one another and led him towards the train. They found an empty compartment and helped him load his trunk. Remus followed them back to the platform and hugged them both very tightly. Be very careful while you're at school, Hope whispered into his ear while hugging him. He nodded and hugged his father around the middle. Lyle pulled him off the ground and squeezed him tightly. I love you, Remus. You're going to do great. Dad, Remus groaned. Dad, can't breathe. Lyle quickly dropped Remus to his feet. Sorry, kiddo, he said with a bashful smile. I have something for you, though. He reached inside his cloak and pulled from a pocket, much too small to carry, a handsome brown leather briefcase with a long shoulder strap. This is a case I saw in the bookshop. That it is, young man. Your mother told me that you couldn't keep your eyes off or your hands off of it while you two were in flourishing plots, so I went back and got it for you. Look by the handle. Remus looked down and saw that his name had been stamped into the leather in curling golden script. It's amazing. Thank you so much. He hugged both of his parents, and the train whistle blew three short blasts. Ten minutes till you leave. You better go get on the train. Send us an owl tomorrow, and let us know how your sorting goes, his mother said, kissing his head. Go now. Scoot before I make you stay. He smiled at his parents and turned for the train. All right, wonderful friends. That was a wrap on this wonderful story. We're going to take a quick break, and I'll join you back in just a few minutes. Hi, and welcome back to Seppo Stories. All right, so this is the commentary portion of this episode. If you'd like to skip and go ahead to our next story, you are certainly invited to do that at this time. If you'd like to hang around for the commentary on Young Wolf, written by Thea Oliver, please hang in here with us, and we'll begin that now. All right, so I really enjoyed reading this story. I thought this was wonderful, and 
following on the heels of names written by um, Map, which was Monsters Are Perceptions. I thought these two really went together almost as if they were intended to be companion pieces. I know they weren't. It just worked that way. So all the things that I loved about this story, I like the very close family unit that we have here uh, between Lyle and Hope and, of course, John Remus Lupin or Remus Lupin. So in the canon stories, we know that Remus's father had more or less challenged uh, Fenrir, and in a fit of pique and vengeance, Fenrir uh, bites Remus as a way to hurt and cause pain and destruction to this family through Remus, who is, you know, their child. So um, that's really not, that storyline isn't addressed here, but what is addressed here is Remus having already been bitten and he's growing up and he knows that he's different and he's suffering um, the changes of, of being a werewolf every full moon and he doesn't want to hurt anyone and he's, he's a young boy with this and he's having to undergo these transformations and where in the story written by Map where that family disowns their child and this story this family is really close and is supporting uh, their their uh, werewolf child so you have you know hope and lyle doing everything that they can to convince everyone that that remus is you know a good person and just a child and that their other children would be safe playing with him and and they are persecuted and and remus is persecuted by the people in the village that they're living with that they have to move and and they move to a more isolated place away from everyone and though Remus very much wants to go to Hogwarts he doesn't see himself ever being able to go because he is self-identifying as a monster even with the love and support his parents give him he doesn't feel like he is safe to be around and you know you do have some of the moments in the story where you know he goes out into the forest and he spends time by himself and you know he hurts himself rather than hurts other people so the idea that he could go to Hogwarts is inconceivable to him though that's what he really would love to do I like that he's reading Hogwarts history very much like Hermione and maybe I thought that was kind of a nice um, nod to Remus calling Hermione the you know the smartest or most cleverest witch of her age because maybe he sees himself in her in you know reading the Hogwarts history book um, you know that that's his entertainment you know he's fascinated with the castle and that the idea that you know kids could go and learn magic although he never expects that this will get to happen for him now the difference we have between this story and map's story of names is that maximus had already graduated hogwarts and was bitten after graduations in this instance um, remus was bitten before hogwarts by their Fenrir character. So I that's how I kind of like that these are companion pieces. And you have Dumbledore reaching out directly to the family to invite Remus to attend Hogwarts and has even uh, made a way for him to be able to attend classes. And Remus is afraid 
that he's not going to make friends, doesn't really want to make friends, I think, because he's afraid that he'll hurt people. And he's just so grateful, I think, to be able to attend the wizarding school that, you know, he he's like a kid at Christmas, you know, like when at Christmas time, you know, when, when kids open up all their presents, you know, or a birthday, you know, when, when a birthday party, when they, you know, child has opened up all their birthday presents and they're laying amid the wrappings, you know, and, and trash and stuff's everywhere. And, and they're just in that moment so excited. Or going back to school and you're buying all your going back to school supplies and there's that level of excitement and you're, you know, sorting out all your notebooks and folders and pens and pencils and getting ready for your first day of school and it's a big deal. First days of school always seem to be a big deal and they are, they're special. So I loved how this writer captures that excitement and a little bit of fear and in this instance Remus self-doubting you know because he knows that he is different and wonders you know at the acceptance that he'll have but being brave and excited about wanting to go and Dumbledore making it possible for him to go so we've talked about inclusion in other uh, fan fiction stories in one of our stories where we read about normal secrets where we had you know a story about the serious black character um being a, a trans student in that st in that story and here you have the Remus Lupin story of him going to school as a werewolf and being afraid you know of, of going to school and not sure that he'll make friends um, one of the things I always loved about Harry Potter was that it didn't matter where you came from if you had magical ability you know you could go to Hogwarts and it would be inclusive and yeah you would still have school bullying and things like that happen because that's kind of how the world is too but Dumbledore did try to make Hogwarts a place that people could go and the castle you know it should be a home away from home for a lot of students and I think that's what's so magical about the wizarding world of Harry Potter you know when when I saw the movie poster for the first time and I went to see it opening night. I saw Harry Potter opening night, had my tickets purchased like a week in advance. And when the movie posters were first coming out, it was the castle, you know. And of course, you had the picture, you know, of all the students in, in the little boats. But it was the castle that captured the imagination. When you read the books and you're with Harry and you're traveling down Diagon Alley and you're seeing everything through Harry's eyes and in this story everything through Remus's eyes you know it's hyper colorful and hyper surreal and marvelous and so different and you're seeing it with big huge eyes um, I have gone to Universal in Florida and I, I have spent an entire day only in the Diagon Alley and you know going from theme park to theme park riding the train um, I was very fortunate you know to be able to to go with my family and my children took them to that because it meant a lot to me and I love the Harry Potter books and I wanted to share that with my children who very much also enjoy Harry Potter and so to see the excitement on their faces when you walk into Diagon Alley at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida 
and you are really in Diagon Alley and you look around and <laughs> all the shops are there and you know you can smell the food from the restaurants and there's butterbeer being sold the only thing that makes it not authentic is all the crowds that are always there um, in shorts and t-shirts and things like that but if you get there really early in the morning or you stay until close at the park and if you're going all the way to Florida you're going to do that um, and the park starts to empty out you have that 15-20 minutes in the morning and 15-20 minutes in the evening when the park is emptying out either starting to fill up or emptying out and you can experience just for a moment you know as as it starts to clear out and you're like one of the last people leaving the park what Diagon Alley was you know to and you look around and there's no place to take a bad photograph so if you've never been you totally want to go to Universal and and enjoy it and when you read a story like Young Wolf and you're with the Lupin family and you're you know reading about buying your Wanda Ollivanders and you're reading about going to the apothecary for your potion supplies and Madame Malkins for your wand fitting, you know, for your for your wizarding robe fittings and, and all the different shops and just you spend the whole day there. I loved that this story captures what that feeling is like, that feeling that you see in the film that you experience in the books that Universal Studios has so brilliantly uh, brought to life for people who go to the theme park and, and enjoy that. Um, and in this story, it is just as visual in this story as it was reading it in the Harry Potter books. Or maybe because I've read the Harry Potter books so often that it just worked. So I love this, you know, witches and wizards were pushing trolleys weighted down with trunks. Owls of every color were peering around in their copper cages. You know, this writer and a bright red steam engine sitting on the tracks rumbling and puffing smoke. That is just quintessential uh, wizarding world and is just captured so brilliantly and wonderfully by Thea Oliver in writing this story. But more importantly, I like the closeness of this family, wherein um, names written by Map, which was brilliantly written to show the very strict and structured, pure-bloodying, hardcore, you know, um, this family who felt shame of having a family member become a werewolf. In this instance, you had a family devoted to their child and who had been bitten and afflicted with, you know, this werewolf um, aspect. So it was a compare and contrast between two very different types of wizarding families where you have one that is cold and hard and rigid and dis is disowning their child. And then you have this family where, you know, despite everything happening they're really trying to raise Remus and the mother's like well I'll be teaching you myself I think it would be best if we taught you at home you know she's fully ready to teach him and to try to give him a life and that's what I like about the story I'm I love all the stories all the stories that I've read on Sepa stories to me are wonderfully meritful they tell their own story it's their author's voice and what they're viewing of the Harry Potter, what it means to them. 
and I like the different avenues and considerations that our fan fiction writers are, are looking at and are considering when they tell their stories. And so for me, I love Young Wolf. It's a hopeful story. And it's an origin, if you will, of Remus Lupin in a fan fiction sense before he meets James and Sirius and Peter, Peter Pettigrew before he becomes part of the Marauders. Now, the one thing that I always think is kind of interesting is you have Remus, Sirius, Harry, and Peter, and their fight with Severus Snape. And it's really all over Lily Potter, if you kind of think about it. You know, James crushing on Lily at the same time that Severus is. The one thing that I would love to see in a piece of fan fiction writing is Remus Lupin, Severus Snape, uh, relationship contrast you would think that the Remus Lupin character because he kind of seems absent-minded about things that are going on in canon you know when um, Harry is viewing Severus Snape's uh, recollections of things that happened to him in particular by the Marauders you know Remus is reading books and while he may not be participating in what the Marauders are doing he's not stopping them from bullying another student and you would think that Remus having been different with what he's dealing with as a werewolf might have stepped in and maybe stood up for another student who um, might have felt like he did going to Hogwarts. So I've, I've always wondered about that point. And, you know, and then also two kids are just kids, you know, and when you're children, the world is the world you're in, you're in your own bubble, and you don't really start to see other people until you start to grow and mature as a, as a person. And I may be wrong with that, because there are some children that are in completely um, and really quite empathetic. And you have children that very much see things that are going on around them. I take that back. That was an incorrect statement. There are children who very much see what's going on in the world around them. But sometimes you have other children that do not. I guess it's just people. It's not a children age thing. I think it's an individual person thing that you have some people who may be just simply more empathetic than other people are. And that could be not restricted by age. Maybe it crosses the boundaries of all age groups. Because you have kids that just comfort other kids. And then you have kids who bully. And you have kids who stay out of things. So it's just human nature. Maybe it just depends on the type of person you are personally. But in this story, in this story, I really like the Remus Lupin character. You know, he's been bitten. He goes out in the morning. He climbs the tree. He watches the daylight come in. He's a boy. He's loved by his family. You know, he is nervous to go to Hogwarts, but excited. He doesn't know if he'll make friends, but he's going and you know he's excited to be a part of it when he didn't think he would get to be and I think that's wonderful I think that's that's a really delicate and sensitive telling of the Remus story and how he got on onto that train and the support of his family in making that happen for him and being excited for him and you get a first introduction of Dumbledore actively taking a role and trying to bring equality and reaching out to students that maybe needed more of a helping hand. So I thought that for this story, um, all of this works for me. I like the close family unit 
of the Lupin family. And, you know, I like that the dad, the details, his dad picking him up, you know, and tucking him in. And, you know, it's just seeing the scars and realizing that he's uh, biting himself and, and that kind of thing. It just, it was just wonderful. I love the story. So, and it's just really awesome. So I can't wait to read more of Thea Oliver's writing. Uh, certainly, like I said, I, I haven't found fan fiction that I haven't really enjoyed and liked. Um, obviously, if I'm putting it on SEPA stories, it's, I really, it called to me in some way. And this story definitely calls to me. I like the exuberance of the excitement of trying something new, even if you're afraid trying something new. And in Names, I loved the origin story of the Fenrir Greybeck character and his idealism being crushed by, you know, a very harmful event in his life, causing him to create other uh, werewolves like Remus and that havoc, how that carried forward in other people's lives. So for me, Names and Young Wolf, to me, even though these are two very different writers and two very different stories, to me, they almost seem like sister pieces. And it was just, like I said, luck, luck of the draw, that these two writers uh, contacted me literally minutes apart. <laughs> you can't make something like this up and had such amazing pieces but Thea Oliver thank you so very much for sharing this story uh, there are other stories written by both authors that I will be reading in upcoming episodes so please tune in for that and you will want to definitely check out these writers writings on fanfiction.net and on archive of our own and certainly here on Seppa Story. So with that, we will see you next time. And thank you for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, give me a share, subscribe, hit me a like, follow me, <laughs> uh, tell your friends about us, check us out on Tumblr, check us out on, uh, we have a Wix blog page called Seppa Stories that you can find us. Email me if you want to hear a particular type of story. I am at Seppa200 at sorry, seppa200 at gmail.com. Actually, seppastories200 at gmail.com. And you can find me at seppa Raven on Tumblr. So find me and, and, you know, email me. Tell me what you'd like to hear. And we will definitely um, be posting more things up to you. So with that, have a really wonderful rest of your day. And we will see you next time on Seppa Stories. I have a wonderful stack of stories I am reading through. So tune in and tune in often. There will be plenty of posts coming up this week. And I think we will be enjoying. I've got a real treat coming up. I really like the Hermione character. And I have a fun story called Middle of Adventure. That is a Marcus Flint, Hermione Granger story so yeah spoiler alerts coming up yeah previews all right so we'll see you next time have a wonderful day wherever you're at and thank you for listening to seven stories <laughs>